Hello and welcome to our devotions on the Gospel of John. Today I will talk about John chapter 6, verse 1 to 15, the feeding of the 5,000. And as we reflect on this, I want to raise some very difficult questions about God's attitude towards the hungry, the poor, the needs of people. But let's turn first to the passage and we read and we think about what God wants to do with the poor and what God wants us to do. Let us pray. Father, your word is so full of discovery about you and yet so many mysteries too that we cannot understand. Yet, Lord, we bring to you our lack of understanding. We bring to you our perplexity we ask Lord that you speak to us so we pray in Jesus name Amen John chapter 6 verse 1 to 15 after this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias the large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the people sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled with twelve and filled twelve baskets of fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, "This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world." Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What would you do if your plans for a relaxing rest after several days of hard work, of conflict, of dispute, when you see crowds of people walking towards you? Would you be dismayed? Would you feel that, ah, finally I've got a time to rest and now I've got people disturbing me again. And that's where we see a little of the heart of God, the compassion of God. Jesus was exhausted. He had had conflict with, uh, he had healed on the Sabbath, he had conflict with Pharisees, he had had a difficult time basically. And all he wanted was to escape from the crowds. That's why he went to the other side of Galilee and then to rest. But just as he was about to sit down and rest, he says he raised his eyes, he lifted his eyes, and he saw a large crowd coming 
large was probably an understatement. It was 5,000, well, some records say it was 5,000 men and their families, which could well have added up to 15,000, 20,000 people. But even it was 5,000 people crowding around him. The people were coming because they'd seen him work miracles, it healed them. And the people were desperate for healing. The immensity of human need is unimaginable. <clears throat> when the people saw that Jesus was able to heal, they came to him in droves. And as Jesus looked at them, his first concern wasn't even that he could heal some more. His concern wasn't even that he could teach them. But he looked at them and he realized that they were hungry. And his first thought then was, how shall I feed them? You know, that's the thing that I realize about God, that he is very compassionate. Even before we ask him, men, the people came to Jesus not asking to be fed, and yet Jesus, the perfect host, was looking at them and thinking to himself, these people are hungry how shall I feed them? Through my life, I've experienced that goodness from God. That often, even before I would pray to Him, He would provide solutions for me, for problems that had not even arisen. Which is why I often think of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, that never has He let me down. But that raises a very difficult question. What about the millions who are hungry? In one of the statistics, recent statistics, I read that there are over 800 million starving children. Can you imagine that? Our population is 5 million. There are over 800 million starving children in the world at the moment. And the question then is, what does God do with them? Does he feel the same compassion that he had when he saw the crowds coming to him for healing? What he saw then were hungry people and he, he thought of them even before they asked him for food. But what does God do with 800 million starving children? Some may say that, well, this miracle wasn't about God's compassion. It was about God showing that he, Jesus showing that he is the bread of life that he could do something far greater than providing bread, that he could give eternal life. Well, I don't agree with that argument for two reasons. And the argument, well, it says that this was also the Passover, and therefore it was a perfect opportunity for Jesus to show that he is the bread of life. But I disagree with this for two reasons. First of all, in James, it talks about faith and action that you cannot say to a person, be warm, be blessed, when the person is starving and shivering. You've got to first give him food. You've got to give him food before you can tell him about his eternal destiny. Likewise, for Jesus, it couldn't be simply that he was telling the world that he is the bread of life, the salvation of all. When he fails to see the hunger or to address the hunger, that's not at all like our God. But the second objection that I have to this theory is that in my own life and in many of your lives, 
You know how faithful God has been to you. I've learned to rest very much in God. That when I have a need, I just say it to Him. Sometimes I don't even say it to Him and I rest. And I know that God provides needs in miraculous ways. I could rattle off miracle after miracle after miracle of how God provided for us when I was stu- studying in the States and ran out of money. Or I could tell you how God sustained our organization, Prison Fellowship, when every month we did not have enough to pay our salary, the workers' salaries. and God came through always and everyone was always paid and we always had a little left over. And looking back then, I can say I really know that God provides. The question then is, is God, is God biased towards me? Am I someone special that God would provide always for me? Are you someone special? God would always provide for me, but the 800 million children are not someone special that God would not provide for them. It just doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make sense that I, a pastor in a in an affluent country, should be so well cared for by God to the extent that I can rest in Him. And yet, eight hundred over million, over eight hundred million children, cannot find the same God. Doesn't make sense at all. And it troubles me a lot, and I'm sure it troubles you a lot as well. When we think then of a God who is compassionate, who hears our needs and our cries even before we cry, who comes to rescue us, to answer our prayers, to comfort us, and yet there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of people and children who go hungry every night. I need to ask God, what is God's plan for them as well? He who saw a crowd of 5,000 coming to him when he was exhausted, and these wanted to hear him preach, these people wanted to see him heal, and yet the first thought on his mind was, can I provide food for you because you will be hungry? How is God involved? the hunger of the millions. The second thought then was that God, Jesus then gave instructions to his disciples, impossible instructions in fact. He said to Philip, well, tell me how you're going to get it. Actually, he said to all his disciples, tell how shall we feed these people? Philip came up with the first answer. He said, 200 denarii would not feed them. And then Andrew later came with five loaves and two fish and said, God, this is all we have, but how are we gonna, what are we going to do with this? But let's look first at the disciples and their responses. The disciples felt the heart of Jesus. They were not going to be stingy. Philip came up with 200 denarii. Now, a denarius is about one day's wage. And so 200 denarii would have been a lot of money. 200 would be 200 days of work. That's two-thirds of a year of wages. He might have collected it from the other disciples. That might have been all that was left in the bank. But they, he came to Jesus and said, Well, 
that may be all I have. And even with this, I couldn't feed 5,000 people or 20,000 people. I'm trying. I'm trying my very hardest. Andrew too went around scouting for food and he found five loaves and he brought them back to Jesus and said, well, this is what I've got. What is it going to do? One of the things then I must say that about how commendable the disciples were is that they really tried. They didn't look at Jesus and say, oh, forget it. They tried because they shared his heart. And many of us too share the heart of Jesus. We, we see the hungry, we see the hungry in Singapore, we see the hungry in the world. We really want to try. And I must say that is a wonderful start. Because if you didn't even feel their pain and the hunger and the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we have a far, far long way to go. But like his disciples, many of you feel that pain too, you feel the heart of Jesus, and I'm very glad for that. But having felt the heart of Jesus, I'm sure they felt despair as well. 200 denarii, we have squeezed out every dollar from our savings and that won't even feed a fraction of the people here what do we do we often face with difficult dilemmas like that especially those who are very committed to serving our lord i think of the social workers i think of those who teach who work with youth the teachers both in schools as well as as well as in our church, the youth workers, the children's workers, children's ministry teachers. I think of doctors and nurses and those who care for people. And often we are faced with impossible situations, demands so difficult that it's way beyond us. Philip faced that, Andrew faced that, the disciples, all the disciples faced that. Heart of Jesus that could not be could not be served because Jesus wanted to feed the people and nothing, none of the resources could do that. And that is what ministry is often all about. The realization that after we have done everything, it is way below what is needed. And then we behold the glory of God. I believe that a lot of our ministry at the end of the day is not about how hard we work, but about how we behold the glory of God. How the disciples then did simple things. They didn't have to go and carry bread for 15,000, 20,000 people. They just had to take the five loaves and two fish and distribute it. Simple, simple work that worked miracles. But what they witnessed was they witness the power, the compassion, the glory of God. What I've learned as a pastor is that often the challenges are huge, but the work isn't difficult. Because at the end of the day, when I throw out my hands in despair and I say, God, what can these little, little efforts of mine do that I behold the glory of God when I see God doing work that none of us can imagine? And so it's important for us also when we are involved in this work never to take credit for any of these things because it's really stupid to take credit for our work when we see our Lord Jesus work miracles. 
but God does work miracles. And then, of course, the third point is that God doesn't waste things either. Just because he could produce tons and tons of food doesn't mean that he would let it go to waste. He used it, probably they collected it and gave it to the hungry later on. But I want to raise two practical points for us. First is, do we share the heart of God too for the hungry? Later this year, we're going to have two different events. The first is that we want to look at foreign workers, migrant workers. We want to look at their aspirations, why they came to Singapore. We want to look at their plight and their lives in Singapore. That we understand a little more of people in countries that are poor, that have children who go hungry, and the hopes and aspirations of their fathers and their mothers who come to break to find money that their children may be fed. Our hope then is that we are able to feel a little of the compassion of our Lord Jesus. And then two months later, we're going to have a food drive. We're going to highlight food insecurity in Singapore, that there are people who are actually hungry in Singapore. That not everyone is middle class and thriving the way we are. There are people who are hungry, and we want to highlight that. Perhaps in the midst of it, then we, like Philip and like Andrew, we give what we can. We collect whatever little money that we have, whatever resources we have, and we give. And then we realize that even in giving, it isn't enough at all. But that's when we turn to our Lord Jesus and we say to him, But Lord, you are the bread of life. You are the one who feeds feeds not only the spiritual needs of people, but feeds also the physical. Because it is when people are fed physically that they are able to turn to be fed spiritually. And that's where we learn and we observe, we behold the glory of God. It's something that we really, I really want all of us to experience. The pain that God feels for those who are hungry, the compassion that He feels, the miracles that He will work as we try our best and realize that our best isn't anywhere useful. And then we do little jobs and behold God's glory. I hope then that these, that what we reflect on today will be seen in practice, in our lives, in the days to come. Let us pray. Father, you, you care for the world. You care very deeply for the world, Lord. When you, when you saw people coming to be healed, you saw also their hunger. You cared that they not go home and faint along the way, but you wanted to feed them there. You cared for little things, Lord, little details of people and of lives. God, I've seen that in my life. I've seen that in the lives of those around me. How you care for little details of our lives, how you watch over us, how we can rest in you. 
But we think of the many who don't have such privileges. The many who continue to live in hunger in Singapore and around the world. And God, we, we ask then, what do you do with these people? What do you do with these children? Don't you love them as well? Don't you? Aren't they precious to you as well, Lord? But God, you, you want to show us that you are able and you do care. Help us, Lord, make us interested in the work that you do. Make us keen to understand your heart and long for the things that you long for, even as you long to feed the hungry and heal the sick. Help us to long for the same things and then to watch you do your work. Speak to us, Lord, in our quiet moments and show us that you are the bread of life, that you feed the hungry, the hungry in the stomachs and the hungry in the souls. But indeed, Lord, you work mighty things. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, I hope that you have a lovely weekend and see you on Sunday. Really look forward to seeing as many of you who can come on Sunday. And those who can't, I know there is a community that watches online all the time and I'm glad for that. I'm still hoping that, well, one day we can meet, whether on Zoom or face-to-face, who would really want to get to know some of you. But God bless all of you and goodbye.